It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. It is Saturday morning. Welcome to the Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on 77 WABC. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800 800- 848-WABC. This is Mother's Day weekend. We'll be celebrating mothers all day long. All kind of mothers. Right now, though, we do something a little bit unusual uh, in the first hour. Those of you who are with us every week know that this is the hour we speak with Derek Hunter, and he indeed is coming up. But first, we're going to head down to the border. America's premier journalist, and I don't kid when I say that. This man has done the single best job of any journalist in the world reporting from the borders of the United States. The Center for Immigration Studies is where you can find him, centerforimmigrationstudies.org. But you can also find his articles in newspapers across the world. His name is Todd Benzman, and Todd is with us right now. Todd, good morning. How are you? Well, I'm doing really great now with that introduction. Thank you. Good to be here. (laughs) Thank you, Todd. Todd, listen, you have an article today in the New York Post, the Texas Texican standoff inside the only border spot where law is enforced. Tell us what's going on, where you are, what's happening as Title 42 came crashing down and immigration stories are flooding the news waves of America. I am in Matamoros, Mexico, and I've been here all week long covering uh, for almost all of that time wave after wave after wave of illegal immigrants just uh, plunging into the Rio Grande and swimming over, climbing up the riverbank, a completely unguarded riverbank, and then entering Brownsville, Texas, where Border Patrol would process them in. Um, And then something strange happened. Um, I was videoing this. I think I'm I'm pretty sure I was the only uh, American writer here in Matamoros to even witness any of this. The videos went viral. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott saw the video, uh, was angered by the look of them, that there was no defense on the Texas side. So he did something unusual. He just created policy on the spot that has national implications. He ordered uh, Texas National Guard tactical units to this spot, and then he deployed them all along the actual riverbank, spaced, you know, 10, 20 yards apart, each armed with uh, weapons that fire non-lethal pepper balls and also guns. And the orders were, you will not let no one pass, not one immigrant passes. And sure enough, um, you know, as I watched from the Matamoros side, these uh, waves would just break on the brawn of these Texas troopers and troops. 
uh, Texas DPS was part of it too. And it went on all day long and all night. It was truly a Mexican standoff. I called it a Texican standoff. Uh, and they turned them around. They had to come back. So went back to the Mexican side. They kept trying and trying until finally they quit trying and the entire sector just uh, became normal. There, there's just no more. I mean, there may be a few here and there, but that unit is over there and they will not let anyone pass off the riverbank. And I should add that the Biden administration has condemned Texas for doing this. They wanted the wide open borders. They wanted to accommodate the flow. Mayorkas held a press conference as soon as my first video came out showing this, at which he uh, suggested that it was illegal what the uh, Abbott administration was doing and that he they had had the Justice Department looking into options about what to do. So I don't think this is over, but I will tell you that Greg Abbott is doubling down on this thing, and he is now moving tactical National Guard units and DPS officers to other hot spots along the border now that Title 42 is over and is having an effect in some of those places. Let me refer you to a story that should infuriate almost every single New York resident that at least honors the rule of law or respects it, and also should infuriate almost every single American citizen. In New York City, there was a report today that homeless veterans have been kicked out, have been booted from the hotel rooms where they were given shelter in order to make way for illegal immigrants. Have you heard about this? Uh, no, I was unaware of that. Uh, the only reason I know about it is because my story is sharing the front cover of the New York Post with that one. Uh, but it is uh, just as outrageous to me. But, I mean, listen, this has been going on for a while, not with veterans so much, which is what really sort of puts the twist on that, uh, you know, that, that our, our uh, veterans would be displaced by illegals. Uh, that is outrageous. Uh, but New York has been uh, displacing homeless people. And so, so has Washington, D.C., uh, American citizens who are in desperate need with uh, to make room for, for migrants who seem to have some kind of special aura of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. They've got some kind of a, a there's some specialness about illegal immigrants that regular citizens don't don't get. So they're super citizens apparently. They have super rights. Citizens. They have rights that American citizens do not have. One of them, an ex-military according to the New York Post, included a 24-year-old man who was in desperate need of help after he served his nation America in Afghanistan. The hotel where he was being sheltered said that their temporary housing was getting pulled out from underneath them, that they'd have to move, get out. In other words, get out. A veteran that served in Afghanistan, get out of your hotel 
we need the space, and that space is going to be taken by illegal immigrants. That's an outrage. That's a moral outrage. One of the vets, a disabled military vet, reported that when he was reached by an advocate, after he was moved, he was crying. That they've gotten the heave ho from the Crossroads Hotel in Newburgh, New York, 60 miles north of New York City. That this is where Mayor Adams, I guess, is uh, flowing, is sending illegal immigrants from New York City. So some of the veterans there, including disabled veterans, are being thrown out in order to accommodate non-citizens of the United States of America. Also, let me ask you about this, Todd. A federal judge in Brownsville said that you can't release these immigrants without court dates. The reaction from the White House, from Karin Jompier, the White House spokesperson, called this move sabotage. She accuses a federal judge of sabotaging the Biden administration because this federal judge ruled that you can't just let these illegal immigrants pour into the country without at least a court date. So let me just say on the ruling that you just laid out to me, so look the way we see it, that it's sabotage. It's pure and simple. That's how it reads to us, sabotage that a judge actually demands that illegal immigrants be given a court date instead of just being released into the country with no way of tracking them or verifying that they will have to uh that they will have to at least come before a court to explain why they should be granted entry into the United States of America. Yeah, uh, listen. Uh, it sabotages uh, a, a bizarre first-time-ever agenda by any executive branch in the United States of, of accommodating and facilitating and enticing millions and millions of foreign nationals to cross that border and then let them in and to let them just wander free in the country. Millions, really. Uh, I've been. I'm here in Matamoros. I've been here all week. But before that, I've been. I was uh, a week in Juarez, and <clears throat> I've spent a lot of time the last two and a half years. I wrote the book on this border crisis, actually, called Overrun. Uh, so I have, and it's based on immigrant interviews. And I can tell you that thousands of interviews. Uh, these. Folks are telling me that they are coming for one reason only, and that is because the door is open, and they've got to get in while before somebody smartens up and closes it. So, if a federal judge sabotage—if that's what a federal judge is sabotaging—you uh, know, too bad on you. So be it. Shame on you too. While we're at it, and if you don't like it, appeal it. Uh, and we'll see it at the Supreme Court, but you're going to lose this thing. You people are going to lose because almost everything that you have done is patently illegal. You are you are in violation of the law and Congress in 
somebody's got to stop you. And all we have at this point, given a divided Congress, are the courts. It's the judiciary. And thank God we've got a system set up where there are three branches. And one of them is stepping in to correct the um, the course here. Todd, you mentioned your book, Overrun. Please tell people about the book, where they can get it. And I'm sure you're going to be adding chapters after what you are witnessing in Mexico and at the United States border, the southern border. Where can people find your book and the, and the full title? Sure. It's called Overrun. It just came out in uh, late February, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. And it most certainly is by every metric. The book is a complete compendium, a narrative piece of uh, journalism about that shows exactly how this thing got started, where it got started, who started it, why, and most importantly, maybe how to get out of it when the time comes for us to finally, you know, have some leaders that will uh, end this thing, this madness. And, you know, we are still two years uh, more of this mass migration crisis. Uh, Post-Title 42, things are kind of quiet right now, thanks in large part to these Texans that are out there on the razor wire right on the riverbank. Uh, But this thing is, Definitely not over. Uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Todd Bensman, thank you. We'll look forward to hearing you as often as you're able. Thank you, Todd. We appreciate the reporting. We appreciate the work that you do. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. And if I could just do one shout-out to um, the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Um, you know, I can't do any of this reporting without them. Uh, and if you can support them, uh, you're supporting me being out here. I appreciate that. CIS.org. Thank you, Todd. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We are coming back. Derek Hunter is going to join us. We'll be back right after this. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. Diana Ross and the Supremes. I remember when this song came out. The reason we're playing it is the music history. This song reached number one. I'm trying to find the year that it was released, but anyway, it was number one, this date. I remember when this song came out. There was kind of a reaction. 1967. It was, what in the... H is this because it sounded like woo 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 it sounded like some kind of Broadway show or something 
<laughs> but the record reached number one anyway. Diana Ross and the Supremes. The Happening. We're going to be celebrating Stevie Wonder's birthday today. Stevie Wonder's birthday is today, born in 1950. So that's part of what's going on. Derek Hunter is with us. Derek, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, James. How are you? I am doing well, Derek. I am kind of, you know, I, I, I thought I reached a point where nothing would stun me anymore. Or be surprised. I mean, Derek, I've been doing this a long time. Longer than you, in fact. And Probably longer than I've been alive, but we'll leave that alone. Thanks, pal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that New York, actually, that somebody in New York government, whether it was Mayor Adams or one of the politicos that work in New York, have decided that they would kick out homeless United States veterans out of hotels, homeless veterans, put them back on the street in order to make way for illegal immigrants, I just find that stunning. And I do not understand why this is not, why this is not across, well, there's so much that should be front page news these days that isn't, but this is one of them. Big news. It's not big news because it makes Democrats look bad. You know that. But you think they're going to report? Uh, it'll be in the New York Post. It won't be in the New York Times. It won't. I mean, for God's sakes, James Comer laid out an extensive list of extremely suspicious. We'll just put it that way. Extremely suspicious things about the Biden family. They own a whole bunch of companies that produce nothing and offer nothing and have made at least $10 million in the past few years. And it didn't get mentioned in the uh, any of the nightly newscasts. And the New York Times headline, the only major paper to bother covering it, said, uh, Republican probe finds no wrongdoing by President Biden. It is unbelievably operate on different planets. So throwing some veterans out, if you remember uh, I've learned this from listening to Rush. 2004, John Kerry is John Forbes Kerry is the nominee for the Democrats. And they had a group of homeless veterans come out and be the honor guard, present the colors. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And it was a big deal. And then as soon as they were done, they basically catapulted them out the back door and said, all right, now get lost. Your use to us is over with. They didn't even put them up in a hotel for that night. It was pathetic, not surprising, and it wasn't really even news then. This is the same story on a bigger scale. The Democrats have their hierarchy of importance in the configuration of human beings, and veterans ugh, are way at the bottom now. Uh, now, let me just just pivot off that to something that happened in New York. That was Eric Adams, the mayor, and I am very often critical of the mayor, but the mayor gave a speech before law school graduates from the city university system. When the mayor mentioned that his his service in the New York City Police Department, a large number of these graduates stood up and turned their back on the mayor and others booed him, loudly booed him. These are law school 
graduates, New York City law school graduates booing the mayor of New York for mentioning that he was a member of the police department and for for his service. I mean, did he chastise? I didn't see this. It doesn't surprise me. But did he chastise them? Well, he, he of course said he, he he said that he understood their, and I'm paraphrasing oh. that he understood, of course, their protest or or their right to protest. Um, <laughs> no, you've got I mean, he, you somebody has to pull a sister soldier moment here with the Democrats before the Democrats completely destroy themselves. If you care about Democrats, I mean, I want the Democrats to destroy themselves, but unfortunately it's a race as whether or not they're going to destroy themselves or the country first. But somebody has to step up and say, you know, you can disagree. It doesn't make you a racist to think that, you know, or a sexist or a monster to think that a man is a man is a woman is a woman. You can disagree on these things. I kind of thought in 2000 there was a possibility that Joe Biden would be that guy, but he went the other way. And now I don't know who that person is that's going to stand up to the fringe and say, you people are nuts, okay? You people are insane, and you're damaging uh, the fabric of society. They take fringe positions, and they insist upon them. The idea that the Latinx or Latinx or however the hell you pronounce this, it pulls lower than like a pussy infection in the Hispanic community, yet these white liberals in the media insist on using it. They're going to force it on on people, whether they want it or not. The Redskins' name changed 5%. And every poll ever done of Native Americans said, this is offensive. 95% said it's not offensive. In fact, I'm proud of it. But they went ahead and changed it anyway. They forced the change of it anyway. It is the tyranny of the minority, and never underestimate People forget this, and it's always on the progressive left side, James. The Nazis were progressives. They were admired by progressives in the United States until Hitler became an invading guy. Then they're like, oh, wait, no, that's a problem. But the Nazis were never a majority in Germany. They were a distinct minority. Never underestimate the amount of damage a committed minority can do. And that's why you can't just go, these people are nuts. Ten years ago... We'd have thought, ah, these kids on college campuses with their pretending to be a boy or a girl, they're going to get a nice big dose of reality. A big fish is going to smack them across the face of reality once they graduate. Well, the joke's on us. They wrestled the fish away, and they're bloodying everybody up in the world with it. They have to be stopped. They have to be stood up to because a committed minority can do a whole lot of damage before the majority even realizes it. Now, Eric Adams, to answer your question, uh, uh, when when these graduates at the City University of New York School of Law stood up, dozens of them turned their backs on him when he was uh, when he brought up his career as a New York City Police Department member. He said to them, "Let's be clear. For 22 years of my life, I wore a bulletproof vest and protected the children and families of this city as a police officer. Just as you see these graduates here." I know what it is to protest. That was it. That was it. It was just, oh, yeah, well, yeah, they're protesting. Yeah, because I'm a cop. These people are going into the legal profession. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. 
Do you believe these Democrats believe half the crap that they spew? Do you think that collectively about a year and a half ago, every Democrat, including Nancy Pelosi, just forgot what a woman is? Or do you think they just say, OK, well, this this helps us now. So we're going to go along with it. It's, it's impossible. Do you think Eric Adams as well? You know, it's perfectly fine. Go ahead and protest instead of saying, you, look, you little SOBs. Knock this. You're going to be enforcing the law or responsible for enforcing law. When you look at the ACLU, they say we're not going to defend freedom of speech that we disagree with anymore. And the money train just comes rolling in. Do you think that the Democrats, the progressives, the leftists watching this deep down when there's nobody looking, when they get together and they, I don't know, plot whatever it is they plot, they think they go, I can't believe this thing is going. I can't believe nobody stood up and said a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. I can't believe the president of the United States is openly advocating for general mutilation. It wasn't that long ago when general mutilation in the, the Muslim world was horrible and condemned universally. And now we as a party are making, what is it, Washington state a sanctuary state from parents for kids like do you think they they think of it that way? Do you think they realize that? I don't think they think different? of it that way. I don't think they ever see their own hypocrisy. I don't ever think they really take time to really examine what it is they're doing. It sounds nice. It's an emotional outlet for them. They can feel good and virtuous about taking these positions without ever examining them and the harm that they do. But that's everywhere. Look, there was a story. We got to take a break. But there's a story uh, this week that surfaced, I don't have it in front of me, about the impact of marijuana and how it is really harming kids and yeah. harming society. But they never stopped all these years. They said, okay, let's legalize it. Let's do this. And if you said anything about it, you were, of course, the curmudgeon Republican. They so, wanted the no. money. The tax money. They don't care. All right. WABC Talk Radio 77. Derek Hunter is with us. James Golden Snurdy with you. Coming back right after this. It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. different mix really stevie won his birthday today and this is a different mix of signed sealed delivered and this is the one you know Sounds so good. Stevie, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours on WABC. 
Hey, Diego tried to play the Puff Daddy remix first. Yeah, I know. Avery, that's just... Avery, I have a story for you, my brother. I have a... Avery, I got a story for you. I got a story for Derek. I have a story for Scott. And they sit... And Diego, this is... Well, I don't know. Okay, we're going to get back to the serious issues of immigration. There's some other issues I want to talk about. But first, I took a beating yesterday from a dear friend who called me and said, you had better not, you had better not do that story you talked about that Scott raised all kind of, you know what story I'm talking about, Scott, that you raised your insurrection about. Yeah, what does Derek have to do with this? Well, it's, I got a different story because I was, I was so... Yesterday. What story? It was a sandwich? This was two, day, this was two, two days ago. This was two days uh, ago. Okay. Do you still have the story? By the way, the... but just as a quick side note, I'm sorry. Do you know what summer sausage is, Derek? I do. Okay. What the... I'm just, is that a new, does Diego know what summer sausage? Diego's not there. Diego just wandered over to go to the bathroom. I, I, I couldn't make it or anything, but I've... I've but you know what it is. You've heard of it. Stores. Okay. Oh, yeah. It just, it really, it shocked me that, that James did not know what summer sausage is. I, I don't know if that's a... Too. I was a little shocked how jealous he was of people whose mom cared enough to make it. We got to buy lunch just as I was going to call in yesterday. I got to buy lunch once a week. That was it. The rest was brown paper bag. And my favorite sandwich, bologna and barbecue sauce. Bologna and barbecue sauce. I love these mixtures that I've never had. Yeah, we had a guy call yesterday. Barbecue. That had to make his own lunch that said, what was it, cheese puffs on... Something, yeah, it sounded good, though. Yeah, cheese <laughs> like, puffs. It sounded like a heart attack, but it sounded good. It sounded like... Yeah, a yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. okay, that question came up because the Democrats are now demanding, the progressives demanding, that school lunch, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack be provided free for all students all the time. And so I raise the question, well, what do parents, do parents have to ever feed their kids? You know why they're doing this? This is because, look, first of all, there's a stigma attached to being a poor free lunch kid. Yeah, there is, and there should be. It shouldn't be something you aspire to. Oh, come on, Derek. What do you mean there should be? No, Derek, there should not be a stigma for children that have to rely on, 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 for free lunch because their parents can't afford it. They should they not be stigmatized. Got to learn that it should, it's not like you beat them up. The lunch lady like gets no kids at the end of lunch, but you should not aspire to that. And you should there should be a bit of just like when we went from food stamps to these little EBT cards because oh, there's a stigma attached to food. You're damn right, there should be a stigma attached to food stamps. We're going to feed you, but you're going to know that it's not good, and you're going to want to do something to. Get off of it as quickly as possible. Let me tell you something. These children, Derek, no, no. These children cannot help the fact that for whatever circumstances they live in, that their parents no, can't, can't afford, they can't help and it. they are they mercilessly help their situation going forward. You learn, you, Derek, you work hard the, in school, or else you're going to be just like this. Derek, That's these kids, these kids are mercilessly teased by other kids. Well, that's- not what I'm saying. There's a difference between a stigma and being bullied nonstop. But there should be a stigma to it. I remember the kids in in school, like they, I don't know how checking they were, but they said, you know, free lunch. We probably could have gotten free lunches if we'd applied for it. 
But there was no way in hell my parents were going to let it happen. That's why my mom would make, you know, a bologna and cheese and Dorito sandwich, which is sort of along the lines of that guy's sandwich. Mm. Throw some Doritos on a sandwich. It's good and adds a crunch to it. And here's a sandwich for you. Peanut butter, mayonnaise, and lettuce. A delicious, delicious sandwich that sounds absolutely disgusting. But it is delicious. There should be a stigma attached to all of this because it is not something to aspire to. Or if you are on welfare, you can you can use your EBT card, but you by law have to turn and thank the person behind you in line when you use. Oh my it. gosh! Well, come on, do something you're, you're, with it. You're, you're ruthless, man. You're ruthless. No, I'm not letting people starve to death, but I am making them acknowledge what they're doing. Nobody ends up on welfare through a series of good choices. Oh man. Am I just I got another one. I just got another one. Ronda's son Gabe likes peanut butter and potato chips in a sandwich. I you, you, some of this is look. Well, I'm the guy with the pineapple sandwich, and the pineapple sandwiches were awesome. I'm telling you that. Pineapple and what? Mayonnaise and pineapple, right? And, and no, let me tell you, man, Avery. If you've never tasted this, you have to try this. When I was a kid, my cousin turned me on to this, and it blew my mind. Wonder Bread. Back when they had Wonder Bread. Yeah. Wonder Bread, dull pineapple slices, and some mayo for the pineapple sandwich. If you have never had a pineapple, you will thank me if you have never had a pineapple. Or Miracle Whip and canned pineapple and crushed pineapple or real pineapple cut up into chunks. Real pineapple is cool, but the dull pineapple slices inside inside, inside the, the white bread with some mayo. They still make Miracle Whip? I don't. Oh yeah. Do they still make Wonder Bread? That's the question. Oh, man, well, man. you can get a good bread now. You can have it on multigrain bread, but I'm telling you, that was the bomb. Hey, Derek, what's the point of lettuce on that sandwich? You said. Well, what's the point? Like, why would you add lettuce I to don't, it? I. It was something my mother grew up with, and she ate, and everybody in the family is like, well, recoiled in horror. And then we all tried it at various times. We're like. It's good. It adds a little crunch, just like if you got a bologna and cheese sandwich and you put some Doritos on it. Makes it better. Well, yeah, but the Doritos have a taste. Lettuce is flavorless. <laughs> Lettuce has a texture, though. Yeah, it, it does. A good, it has a... Of, a good chunk of, of chewing and the eating experience is the texture. If everything was just mush, it would be disgusting. But if you add a little bit of texture to it, it's got a little crunch to it. I don't know what it is. Try it both ways. But it's with lettuce. With it. I'm not talking about one slice of like a – I'm talking about a, a good – what? Half inch, a good half inch of iceberg lettuce. <laughs> stuff. Man, that's crazy. That's okay, crazy. now the story that, <laughs> but by the way, you apparently missed, Derek. That I we can't do the story today because I got so. I mean, I have never been chewed out like this by a friend. Hmm. I mean, and then Scott had this. Just it went enraged on me over it. I am not going to do this story. Well, what's the story? I'll do it. I'll piss everybody off. I don't care. Okay, here's the story. The story was in the Daily Mail. And I'm not going to do the story. I'm just going to read the headline because I was told that this is just below you. I'm like, this is a newspaper story. Nothing is below you. So I'm not going to do the story. But here's the headline. Man 30 dies with ping pong ball up his bum after being electrocuted while pleasuring himself. That was the story. Okay, so but, you know, you know, I, 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 I would 
but uh, I lost a grandma the same way, and I shouldn't joke about it. <sighs> so we're not going to do that story. That old story. That old story. Look, the okay. Daily Mail's a pain in the ass. But how did they? How did they know about the Avery? Avery, don't don't go there. Don't. I mean, but if he electrocuted himself. <laughs> Don't go there, Avery. I'm not doing the story. I don't want to be accused of traumatizing the audience or bad taste. Why do we have to know? Why why do we have to know about the ping pong ball? (laughs) If he electrocuted himself, why do we have to know about the ping pong? Who who went in there and found that out? Like, hold on, he's dead on the floor. That is a thorough autopsy. Well, you, you, you checked it. His heart was fine. It looks like the electricity was the thing. But leave well, me. I just said we're not doing the story. Have, have leave me some dignity. Record. Leave me. If Get you, the jaws of life. You, you got no. Your it, your life plan doesn't involve dignity if you're sticking ping pong if balls. If you catch me, but he, was a, he already okay. electrocuted himself. Oh, hey, clean me, clean me up. Wipe my hard drive. And, and and let my parents find me what looking I'm regular. By is I've played ping pong, and if you hit a ping pong ball pretty hard, you can dent it. How do you get one up there and maintain? I, I, come on, guys, guys, well, guys, that was, guys! That, that was the warm uh-huh. up. A softball was next. I tried not to do it. I just said I wasn't going to do the story. That part of the story is not the bad part. It's the content. of Wait the story. a minute! Now you jump. You said you weren't. We're not doing the story. Okay. But the headline of the story is not went, the part that is offensive. It went ping right, the rest of the story. It was going to go right, ping now, pong ball, softball, and then he was going to be open for business. It gets so much Stop. more graphic. So much more graphic. Stop. Was he using something that normally comes with batteries with, a, like, a plug? And no, it had, it had a plug. It was a plug. It was a plug-in. That's my point. Like, they wanted to embarrass him. Like, to, to, to even bring the ping pong ball up, you didn't even have to. Just, just tell There's what happened more involved to him. in a ping pong ball. Yeah, we're not. It didn't seem like not, the guy needed to use the ping pong balls either. Seems like he had other things that were going to take care of that. And if stuff. and if that wasn't enough, he it was a ping pong ball up his anus. Like we're not scared. Okay, and we're not doing the story. We're not doing the story. I was told it would be in very bad taste for me to do the story. I finally relented and said we're not going to hey, do it. Whatever but... happened to good old Americana jumper cables? Like, Speaking like... of bad taste, do <laughs> you play beer pong with these balls when they're done? Like, or do you just throw them out? When did jumper cables go out of style? Like, I don't understand. Like, you put them on your nipples, you put them on your... Like, I don't understand. Like, all this exotic stuff now. Jumper cables got the job done back in the day. Everybody had them. <laughs> What did this guy do for a living? Like, I can get it if it a rock star. We have to go to a break. Years old and like fifty years old and dies <laughs> a weird way like this because he tried everything and had everything thrown at him. That's our problem. This guy's working construction and just bored and going. You know what? Where's that extension cord? Then it's uh, that's, it's really weird. That's what. So we are celebrating Stevie Wonder's. Did birthday here on WABC today. Derek Hunter's with us. Too good for jumping cables. <sighs> Avery. Good thing we didn't do that story. That'd have been weird. <sighs> our grandparents had them. Our great grandparents had them. <laughs> jumper cables. Up there, you, no, you, the jumper cables. You throw them in the trunk. Coming hey, back. Take them with you wherever you go. <sighs> We're coming back. (laughs) 
Uh, this is Stevie Wonder's song. It's the Spinners, 1970. It's a shame. Stevie produced this one. Stevie won his birthday to here on WABC Today. Coming back right after this. Saturday morning, radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Stevie Wonder, celebrating birthday today. On WABC, Talk Radio 77. So we got this great message yesterday from, I think, one of the most beautiful children I have ever seen in my life. Why are you listening to a radio has bad words? You recognize that voice, Derek? I do. I do. And, uh, you know, I... We were listening to your show on the stream. I don't know what went out on the uh, air, but there was, uh, well, let's just say it would have been what the ping pong balls were covered in and mentioned on the air. And uh, my daughter was like, why are you listening to bad words? And so my wife said, say that again. That did not go out on, that did not go out. It didn't make it on the air, but it did make it on the stream. Yeah, you can't the, jump from the stream, so it was great. Yeah. I loved it. Well, it was an accident. See, that's I make our money. New... I make money as a sh- doing a, a once a week podcast called the Week in F and Review. That's subscription only. That is all that. But my little daughter, my little five year old, soon to be, she's two weeks away from turning six, and now for the first time ever, she's heard bad words, James, and it's because of you. How do you, how do you live with yourself? I live with my Why are you listening to a radio has bad words? Why are you listening to the radio that has bad words? Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, <laughs> Nick. Nick is here, who accidentally let it slip. No, that I, wasn't I love, Nick. That was that was it. Nick was. I thought it was Phil, or the uh, the other guy. It was probably who was Phil. It, yeah, it was yeah, Nick. Yeah. He's it was proud Nick. of himself it was too. Nick? Nick looks like so you guys get a so you guys get a visual of Nick. Nick is our trainee. Nick is going to be with us pretty soon. Uh Nick looks what's that actor's name? Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. He looks like the young Tom Selleck. Mustache. Man. And and he is single and he's a serious serious guy and he's single and he's young and he looks like he's got plenty <laughs> of energy. And Nick accidentally let that word slip. How you doing this morning, Nick? I'm I'm doing good, Bo. It's good to see you. Thank you. <laughs> and, and so that's what that's what that's what Derek's daughter and she. By the way, Derek, you need to get on your knees and thank you, Lord, for your wife, because your daughter oh, I, is so beautiful, and it has. I, she's beautiful. She got hype from me, and that's it. And thank God. Yeah. So, okay, so here's the other story that I have. This is right before um, – I thought we were going to get back to serious news. We'll get back to serious news next hour. And your telephone calls, if you're on hold, stay on hold, 800-848-WABC. But, okay, so this is – a story about somebody electrocuting themselves with ping-pong balls up their rear end can really derail the seriousness train. <clears throat> Acclaimed author Pamela Druckerman has... Now, this is an acclaimed author. 
And I just don't know what the world is turning into. I just don't know some days. I hope the ki- if the kids are listening, please send them in another room because we have to, so you don't have to explain this, okay? <laughs> yeah, the, the ping pong ball story. Keep them in the room. <laughs> Whatever this is, make sure you vacate the premises. Acclaimed author Pamela Druckmann has this dirty details on the threesome she had with her husband for his 40th birthday. She's Paris-based, 53 years old. She made the menage a trois confession in her latest selling book, There Are No Grown-Ups, A Midlife Coming... Now, that is the point to me, There Are No Grown-Ups, A Midlife Coming of Age Story. And she's married to another author, Simon Kapoor, and they have three kids. Three kids. Married, three kids. According to her new book, the quote, when they... When he turned 40, she decided to buy him a vintage watch. But when she mentioned the watch, he said that's really not what he wanted for his birthday. This is long story short. He wanted a threesome. <laughs> and <laughs> you're laughing. And his, and his, Look, I don't, I don't really, I'd really rather bang your hot friend. If you, if you got the receipt for this watch, I'd really <laughs> rather bang your hot friend. And his look, wife. I had to look her up. I had to look her up. She's, uh, she's, uh, she's attractive. In a bookish kind of way, so yeah, I suppose it's always the ones you suspect the least. But how do you how do you have that conversation, honey? No offense, but I am so sick of you. Can we get somebody else? How about your hot friend? If he's in his forties, that's an easy conversation to have. What do you mean? No, she's not going nowhere. That's an easy conversation to have. What do you mean? She's first of all, man. I have this conversation every day. You have that conversation every day. Every day. Oh, by the way. <laughs> the only way you have that conversation every day is if it's never succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep bringing it up. Yeah. That's easy conversation to have. Scott, you're a married guy. What would you like to know? I'd like to know <laughs> if you would ever fix your face to tell your wife, and I know your wife, and she's probably listening. I uh, think she is, yes. I know I would would you ever even dream to fix your face to tell your wife, honey, never mind the watch, I'd like a threesome. No. Of course you wouldn't. Most you know, normal if your wife human really loves you, you don't have to get rid of the watch. You can have both. <laughs> there you go. Diego. Okay, yes. I understand that right now you're not, you know, <clears throat> married. I'm not married, no. <laughs> Would you ever in life fix your face to tell your wife? We're not even talking girlfriend here. We're talking wife. The woman you married, the woman that you pledged to spend the rest of your life with. Stop leading the witness. Why are you laughing, D? Why are you laughing? Or, or, would you ever fix your face to tell your wife, honey, you're not enough. I want another woman with you because you just ain't. I want a threesome. I would never do that, no. That's not saying you're not enough. That's saying I want too much. Like, give me another girl for one time. Yeah, it's never just one time. (laughs) It's never just, let me just smoke one rock of crack. That's what I really want is one hit of meth. It's never just one time. You know anybody who's ever been like, had a threesome and good, that was terrible. I never want to do that again. Or that was awesome. 
I'm now satiated for the rest of eternity. Wait, no. Well, yeah, well, that's why you got to make your wife the, the star of the movie, so she want to do it again. Avery, you know what? Hey, now you talk, Avery, you are beyond the pale. What? All right, beyond Avery, the so pale. Your wife says, I want to bring your friend, Diego, and uh-huh. you want to have a threesome so bad. Let's do this thing. And then I'll have, huh? and then I'll hit her with a list of ten chicks that I want right after that. You gonna hit her with a list of ten you chicks, with a list of ten chicks that I want. You'd run out and buy her a watch. You'd run out and buy her a watch immediately and say, "No, nope, this is what you're getting." Don't play sexual chicken with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. I don't even want to. You, you, all right, you want Diego? Then I want these chicks. Nick, okay, Nick. You're Mr. Single, you're Mr. Single, and you're Mr. Movie Star-looking guy. Would you ever fix your face to tell a woman that she wasn't enough, you wanted a threesome? Be honest. He's deliberating. You've got to differentiate between a woman and your wife. Why do you even have to think about it? Your wife. Why do you even have to think about this? The answer should be no. Oh, hell no, I would never do that. I would never humiliate. When you got a mustache like that, though, there's more that goes into it. Listen, if you cared about that a lot. Mustache is a lifestyle. He's true. I'm thinking if you cared about that person a lot, or if it's a wife, girlfriend, you know, two weeks of two months of two years, I probably wouldn't say that. But if she brought it up, I might might go ahead with it. Well, that's a different story. If she brought it up. If she ever brings it up, it's a test. It's a trap. Get out of there. Admiral Akbar, that thing. Wouldn't be the first time. It's possible. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy Derek Hunter thank you for being with us this morning people can find you at Town Hall what are you doing for Mother's Day Derek we are going to a place called Funland for the kids it's a tradition for the uh, Mother's Day weekend so wish us good weather good weather to you and Derek Hunter thank you so much for being here We'll catch you during the week, I hope, this week, because I, I want to talk to you about some other things about the media during the week, so let's arrange that. Make it Derek sense. Hunter, Town Hall, ladies and gentlemen. You can find Derek Hunter's columns everywhere. James Golden is a Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. Coming back right after this. Don't go away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome our number duo here on WABC. Danny, is Danny still around? I'm here. Hey, Danny, welcome. How are you? This hour, Danny DiCrescenzo. So, Danny, please tell us what happened to uh, the uh, New uh, York uh, Knicks uh, yeah. and their uh, play. Uh, their, uh, it's done. They're over. It's toast. Bye-bye. See you later. 
Well, you know what they say. If you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Oh. And the and the Knicks, they oh. they went to Miami. They played hard. Jalen Brunson has been a revelation for this team all year long. But just when R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle play like such garbage, you know they're going to lose that type of game, even when it was close. And hats off to Miami. They're the first eighth seed to make the conference final since the Knicks did it in 1999. And you know there's been a lot of talk about the Knicks offseason. You know, they have a lot of questions to answer. It's unclear the ceiling of this team. The big thing was, even though they got a great game out of Brunson, Miami is just a very deep team. They're a very strong defensive team, and Jimmy Butler is just that guy in the playoffs. So hats off to Miami. Unfortunately, the Knicks just couldn't get it done, despite a great effort in Game 5. They still lost. Yeah. So so are the Knicks ever going to be champions again in in our life in 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 lifetime or are we looking like next century maybe well i mean with this team it's very hard to say because they looked good at certain points this year they had a rough stretch in the middle of the season they definitely improved from last year for sure but this core of rj barrett jalen brunson julius randall's unclear if this team has a championship ceiling because you have Miami. okay so yeah Who's going to be the who's going to win it? Who's going to win this thing? Well, we and when is it over? Isn't this thing over sometime in like June? Doesn't this yeah, go mid-June. keep going and going and going and doesn't stop? It's still June. So right? right now, game 7 between the Sixers and the Celtics is I believe tonight, and that's going to decide who the Knicks will play. Oh, it's it's tomorrow. I'm sorry. Tomorrow at 3:30. So the Celtics play the Sixers at 3:30 tomorrow to see who will play the Heat in the conference finals. And on the Western Conference side, the Lakers beat the Warriors last night. LeBron James and Anthony Davis played superbly to defeat the Dubs. And then they'll play the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals to see who makes it to the NBA Finals. I still can't believe there's a team calling themselves the Nuggets. Anyway, um, let me ask you this question. Back in the day when I used to care about basketball or even observe it, because it's been so long ago, there was Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan was just like everybody – you know, yeah, 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 I know Scottie Scotty Pippen, yeah, but Michael Jordan was the thing. And now it's, who is the single best player, or is there somebody on that level of Michael Jordan where everybody can just say, nope, no question, there's one guy that just reigns supreme as the best player ever right now. Who is it? Well, it's obviously LeBron James. I mean, he broke the all-time scoring record this season. He's... <laughs> His longevity is unbelievable. His sustainability in the playoffs unparalleled. He's, he, he's, his team has won 15 straight closeout games, including last night, and he's just excellent. I think the, the real debate comes if you think LeBron is the best player right now. His aura as the greatest is there, but if you want to talk best, my money is probably either on Jokic on the Nuggets, Embiid on the Sixers, or Giannis on the Bucks. Any of those three guys have the best claim for the best player right now, but in terms of greatness, MJ-level greatness, it's LeBron James. All right, let me throw another one at you. Okay. If you had to pick the maybe the top three best NBA players of all time in the history of the NBA, as you know it, who would those three people be? In no particular order, Jordan, LeBron, and Kareem. Hmm. Not Julius Irving. Not Julius Irving. I think LeBron is unequivocally better than Irving was at his peak, and I think Jordan has the same argument in his favor. I, Kobe comes close for me, but I think Jordan has him, has him beat. 
and I think Kareem has the best overall resume of any big ever, even beyond. I think Bill Russell's tremendous, but he's his name is on the defensive end. Kareem had offense and defense, and Will obviously is tremendous as well. But I think Kareem. Is and have better. you ever seen tapes of Walt Chamberlain back in the yeah, day? Will, Will Chamberlain, Chamberlain yeah, yeah. when he used to play. Oh, he was unbelievable. Just 50 points a game, decided he wanted to lead a league in assists because he literally wanted to. I mean, he was Jerry West. Jerry West. I, lo- I mean, I'm a Laker. I'm a Laker fan, so I love watching old Jerry West tapes. He's probably the best shooting How about guard. that guy from Boston? Ha- Havlicek or Bar- Larry yeah. Bird? Which one? Larry Bird. Yeah, lo- yeah, love Bird. Bird's the word. You know the Twitter bird is named after him? Did you know that? The Twitter, no. the Twitter logo, the bird is named Larry after Larry Bird. I didn't know that. More you know, and now it makes me not want to go on Twitter today. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, thank you so much. We appreciate you, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks so much, Danny. Thank you. All right, I got to just say this because I didn't get a chance to, to say this last, and as we closed out the last hour with all these chauvinist men. Yeah, I'm trying to score some points. No, I'm not. No, but I'm serious. If I was a woman, if I'm a lady and I'm married to some guy and this guy comes home and says, honey, um, for my 40th birthday, no, I don't want the watch that you wanted to give me. I'd rather have a threesome. He would get the walking papers that moment. It's like, get out. You're done. See, what is wrong with women? What is wrong with women today that they would even... I mean, seriously, there are some certain lines, even for me, there are certain lines that, to me, that's the line that you just don't cross. I mean, why get married if that's what, why get married? Now, I have to be honest with you, I've got some women that are texting me, women that I trust, hey, what about the women telling their husband that? Not that I would, says one I won't identify. Another woman says, hey, it's honest. Most men just do this anyway, they just don't tell their wives. They don't tell them. They just go ahead and do it. Really? Is that what men do? And then uh, some people are swingers, so for them it might not have been offensive. But but to me, that's an it, But yes, it's an insult. How would you insult your wife like that? I don't get that. I don't get this whole. I, I guess I'm just a square when it comes to certain things. And don't tell me, don't knock it in, in, unless you've tried it, because that's what they used to say. And I will just reveal this. I had the opportunity to do that when I was younger. And I was like, even then, I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not going there, no. Because to me, that's when you cross the line. There's nothing about love with that. That's just pure hedonism. That's when you cross the line, and it has nothing to do with anything. To me, if you... If you if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've, I would never be able to look at myself in the mirror if I did that and feel good about myself. Because that's just, Avery, I'm expecting you to say something here, but I don't know. Oh, I mean, Avery, do you, you serious? You are like, you serious you, that you would tell, are you serious that you would actually go and tell your wife, now, I'm not your girlfriend, Avery. Your wife, you get married, some woman decides, yeah, I'm going to put up with Avery. I love him, and he's my one and only. I'm going to put up with this guy for the rest of my life. And you mean to tell me that you would go home, look in your wife, and tell your wife, hey, baby, birthday time, you know what I want? I want you and your friend. 
Well, it wouldn't be a friend. I mean, I... Oh, stranger. Even better. No, well, she, you, she, I want she, you and a stranger. She. Here's what it is. You present it because you know them, so you know how to present it to them without offending them. And they, if they are into it, they would like come to you with all kinds of rules. Okay, I have to be there. I have to pick the woman. I have to do that. I have to do this. And then you go, okay. Like, it's it's not some you just kick the door down and go, today I want a threesome. Like, like out, out of the blue. It, it might, uh, I don't know. It, it might also be something you talk about at the beginning of the relationship before marriage. Like, hey, would in the future, would you ever be open to this? And if it's a yes or no. But that's, that's my point. You, yeah. so you, you know her by now. So you know how to approach the idea, how to, you know, how to talk about the idea. And then, and then good Lord, if she goes, well, okay, then you go, thank you. I, if Diego, you say this is something you talk about before you get married, and you honestly think that some woman would marry you after you say, "Honey, I love you. I want to marry you. You're the one I've been waiting for my whole life." By the way, how about if I hook up with your friend? Two, not like that. See, just, you you making it not like that. You, like, uh, it's it's you poison oh, the jury. A, oh. You poison in the jury, Bo. <laughs> Get off your high horse for two seconds. Like how? Okay, so how are you supposed to frame this? I'm open. How are you supposed to frame this, well, Avery? Would you, would you potentially be open in the future to this? It is a series of jokes and jabs and side yeah. comments for years. You working on her? Okay. You don't just what show about the do- blue. I don't do mental gymnastics like that. I just go out like. Oh no oh, like, no 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 no! You gotta yeah no no you gotta you gotta you gotta tumble. You gotta do your mental gymnastics on that. Uh okay okay uh, no. <laughs> All right okay thank you. Uh, in the discussion, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, I am back to still being wondering what you guys think, ladies and gentlemen. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC is the number to call about our homeless veterans being kicked out of their shelter to make way for illegal immigrants streaming into the country. There's also this from Coney Island in New York. And see, I I wonder how these things happen. Here's the headline, and this is in today's New York Post. Migrant secretly being housed in PS 188 school gym in Coney Island. So we have this immigration fiasco at the borders, but somehow with all of that, we have in secret a plan to put illegal immigrants in PS 188 gym in Coney Island. The school was chosen as one of the emergency temporary sites to house individuals and families who are seeking asylum. Now, let me tell you, this whole asylum thing is a scam. Todd Benzman, who was on with us the first hour, and I've talked about this whole this whole scam of asylum. And it is a complicated scam that the United Nations is also involved in. 
allowing people to stream across the border with these claims that they are being persecuted and prosecuted in their home country. This is not just New York. In Chicago, in one of the districts where Joe Biden received 97% favorable vote, residents are furious because 500 migrants are headed there. This is in, uh, at South Shore High School in Chicago. They are having protests. And this is a black, mostly black neighborhood. And the residents there are outspoken. They're saying all of these resources that have not come to this neighborhood. And now you want to compensate for people that have never lived here before? We need to be taken care of first and foremost before anything else happens. Many of these migrants, another person said, have been dumped without a plan in place to monitor and house them long-term. These residents in this neighborhood, 97% Biden country, 97% voted for Biden, have now filed a lawsuit. They want to stop these uh, the illegal immigrants from moving into the school. And I just got to say something here. There was another one of these little uh, illegal immigrant children that died, that died in one of the migrant centers. Of course, if that had happened under Donald Trump, that would be the headline today. But I am not denying that there are some of these people that are coming in, some of these people that are fleeing horrible situations from the countries that they come from. But there is a process that has been corrupted that used to be able to handle that. So now we can't even trust when people say that they're fleeing situations because the process, like everything else, that Democrats in this country touch, it has been so corrupted that people have no confidence in it. And who that hurts, who it will end up hurting most of all, are people that legitimately need the help. And isn't that the case as it happens? In Arizona, in Yuma, they are so overwhelmed, they're just letting the immigrants come in, the illegal immigrants, and just releasing them, period. It's just like, forget it. The head of Homeland Security in America, and this ought to tell you something, the head of Homeland Security, the man tasked with securing the United States of America's borders, the man tasked with making sure terrorists don't come in this country, the man tasked with your safety as American citizens, Alejandro Mayorkas, is refusing to even say to reporters whether this border crisis could have been prevented. What he says is, we cannot control the movement of people before they reach our border. Our responsibility attaches once they're in our custody. Well, that's just garbage. We could have worked out a deal with Mexico a long time ago. 
to stop this. But instead, all we've had is one example of weakness followed by another. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, on WABC Talk Radio 77. Stevie won his birthday today. Stevie, you remember this. Stevie's playing keys on this and wrote the song with Minnie Riperton. This is Minnie Riperton, Loving You, on WABC. Stevie Wonder Day. Stevie Wonder's birthday here on WABC and all over the world. Stevie Wonder, born in 1950. This from the Talking Book album. This was from, by the way, you can tell, this was from the first release of the album. When it went to its second pressing, they added the horns. This is from the original, well, they're the horns. Oh, well. Second pressing. Sorry. Okay, the horns weren't in there on the first pressing. So anyway, but still cool. Hey, Danny, I got a Danny. Danny's with us. Danny, I got a quick question for you. What's up? I don't know whether you can get to the bottom of the story or not, but there at over at WABC seven, the television station, the anchor, longtime anchor, King uh, Ken Rosado has been let go. And apparently, according to one of the newspapers, he made some kind of off color remark. That's what's in page six today. But nobody can figure out what he said that got him fired. Now, his his people are saying, hey, no, 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 this wasn't any racial slur or anything like that. No, 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 he's been a benchmark at 20 years for WABC for supporting all equality. But this came really quickly. Have you heard anything about this? I have, and you're right. Nobody knows why he was let go. There is chatter that it wasn't a racial remark or a racial slur. I just think we, we're not going to know for a little bit until the leaks start happening, you know? Oh, okay. So it is widely known. I mean, he just did whatever it was. It leaked on the air. It, did it leak on the air or what, what happened? I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, if it was on the air, people would have it. It might've been behind the scenes when maybe his mic was hot, but not on the air. That something went over. Oh, so the so the crew heard it, but but no one else on the 
It didn't go over the air, but the crew heard it or something. Yes. If you remember, I mean, sometimes you get fired for things that are on the air. Sometimes you might get fired for things that are said behind the scenes. Obviously, I always go back. The one story I always go back to is the um, the home run thing, the Cincinnati Reds guy, when he used the anti-gay slur, and he just kept talking during after he said it. He, he was apologizing while commentating the game. Perfect example of getting fired while you're on the air. And the thing was, they came what back What did he say? I don't, wait, wait a minute, what did he say? He called, he called the city in Ohio the capital of the world. Not going to say the word, obviously. Uh, anti-gay slur. And then he they brought him back early, I think, and then you heard it over broadcast. But that's not but that's an example of something that goes over the air. What happened with Rosado probably wasn't over the air, but his mic was on. Or maybe they came back early. It de- depends. It's it's really difficult to say. If nobody has the audio, nobody has the audio. All right. Well, you do some digging for us, will you, Danny, please, and see whether we can get the scoop. I don't look. I'm not trying to put you under pressure. I mean, we're probably not going to be able to find out, but yeah. I'm just curious. I'm curious now. I'm curious too. I, I just I didn't see anything specific. Yeah, I mean, usually they tell you why they fired a guy. You know. All right, appreciate it, Danny. Listen, over at CNN, this the turmoil over the town hall still goes in. Apparently, Chris Lick, the guy that runs CNN now, has called in one of their reporters and for a scolding. And he's told him he's too emotional. He was too emotional. His coverage of the event was too emotional. This guy reported that he, um, that Chris Lake, the boss, asked him, hey, I'm asking you not to be emotional. This is the guy that started out in, the, in his um, coverage saying it's hard to see how America was served by the spectacle of lies that aired on CNN Wednesday evening. He complained about how Trump lied about various topics during the town hall and blah, blah, blah. And yet, and yet, CNN aired it all. These guys ragging their own network because they had Donald Trump on. And not just ragging it. I mean, these guys are emotionally having a meltdown because of this town hall that, by the way, earned them over 3 million views. Three million viewers turned it, tuned into that thing, and the guys at that at CNN are having a meltdown. It's stunning to see. Let's get to the telephones. People have been waiting. Alex in California, what part of California are you calling from this morning, Alex? Um, I'm calling from the, I guess you can say, the center of Silicon Valley. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So I, I basically wanted to comment on the. Uh, uh, the earlier topic about the uh, illegal aliens uh, displacing the, uh, I guess, the homeless vet. Yes. Um, I think that there is something that individual people like you and me can do to uh, basically fight the tide of illegal aliens, but we have to be conscientious about it. So here's my suggestion. So before you go to a restaurant to eat, uh, call the manager or the headquarters and ask them whether they use E-Verify. If they don't use it, don't patronize the restaurant. If they do, then go go eat there. This is not a perfect solution, but it is an impediment. So out here in California, uh, the state legislature actually prohibits mandating uh, E-Verify for obvious reasons. So if uh, if we want to fight the tide of illegal, a- illegal aliens, 
then we basically just check for e-verify. Wow. Well, that's an interesting suggestion. I want you. Thank you for the call. You know, by the way, there's other news from California. Um, and let me just say, hey, uh, guys, I've been saying this is going to happen, and we're starting to see the first of it. Thanks for the call, Alex. California lawmaker is now, uh, Senator Steve Bradford, has issued a warning to African Americans in California. He's saying, y'all better be realistic. You are not going to get checks, seven-figure checks. It's not going to happen. They just had another meeting of the California Reparations Task Force, and over the weekend, that task force said that California should pay up to $1.2 million apiece for every eligible black resident in California for reparations, slavery reparations. But slavery was never in California. doesn't matter. Um, Bradford, who is black, is saying, hey, 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 hey. Y'all better start. Come on, come on. Don't hype it up. Don't get everybody expecting this $1.2 million check. It's not going to happen. Meanwhile, out in California, Gavin Newsom has announced a $32 billion budget deficit, which is $10 billion higher than anybody. Now, I bet you no one really cares. I bet you if if people... If, Diego, do you care whether California has a $32 billion deficit? Nah. Scott, you used to live out there with the with in the left coast. Do you care whether California has a 32 32- I applaud the deficit. You applaud it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to stop them from passing more laws and spending more money. That's not going to stop them from passing don't more. St- don't, st- don't states have to have a balanced budget, though? It's not like the federal government. They can't print money. Don't they? Aren't they mandated? Just buy physics to have a balanced budget and stuff. They're supposed to be, but they find ways around it. Avery, do you care that California has a $32 billion budget deficit? No. I didn't think so. See? See what I mean? Nobody cares. Now, to me, I read this and I get all excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, 32. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. Y'all don't even care. I have been waiting for this for years. I have been waiting for this because California passed massive tax increases on businesses and on citizens. And it took two years. People started leaving and leaving. And then we had the pandemic and even more people left. And I keep saying, how is California able to get away with these massive tax increases? And for a while, they had budget surpluses. And for a while, meaning last year. Right. $97 billion last year, surplus. Right. And I kept, how are they doing this? This shouldn't be happening. You shouldn't be able to raise taxes like this on people and still run a budget surplus. It it defies supply-side economics. I kept saying, when are the deficits going to come? And they're here. Now they're here. So let's see how California deals with these massive, massive death. Man, Diego is on it. Another Stevie Wonder song. Shaka. Rufus. 
This is the one that really put Rufus on the map. Tell me something good. Another Stevie Wonder song. Stevie Wonder's birthday today, born 1950. WABC Talk Radio 77. Oh, when we get back, remember that bank that went under and how everybody said, oh, don't worry, it's not going to cost you anything for us to bail it out? (laughs) Wait till you hear this. James Golden coming back. WABC 800-848-WABC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, oh. oh man. <sighs> when you hear that music, you know what time it is. We're halfway through the show. This is Spyro Gyra with... The Morning Dance on WABC. I actually hurt getting up today. This was, which is why we do it. Every week at this time, I get up. I suggest you do too. Get up, move around, do your morning dance. And I love this song. Makes me happy every time I hear it. Spire Jira Morning Dance on WABC. Get up, shake the body around, move it, groove it. Huh. And it is Stevie Wonder's birthday, and we're celebrating Stevie Wonder all day long here on WABC as well. Let's get back to telephones, 800-848-WABC. Oh, I wanted to tell you this. Remember how Joe Biden, when Silicon Valley Bank and all these other banks that have not been regulated properly by the federal government, despite the fact that they had regulators in there. And in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, remember, one of the things, one of the reasons that they went bust up was because they were so woke. Their chief compliance officer was over in, in, in Europe, for instance, for a month organizing gay pride events. The compliance officer while this bank was going down the tubes. Well, remember, Joe Biden came out and said, that's just not going to have anything to do with the taxpayers. Not going to have, nope, you're not, you not going to bail out these banks. This is We're going to handle it 
We're going to give all these sweet little liberal bankers bailouts, but don't worry your little silly head off. We're not going to make you pay for it. We got the money. We're going to figure out. We're going to bail them out. Well, the day before yesterday, Heritage, the Heritage Foundation found out about this and reported this. The FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, is now presenting a bunch of additional fees for banks to cover the money that they spent bailing out the Silicon Valley Bank and all these leftist bank banks due to another failure of the Biden administration. Now, how does that impact you? Easy. If you put money in the bank, if you are a depositor, whatever bank you are in, and you are in an FDIC bank, you, you're not going to notice it because it'll just be buried in the fees that the bank charges you, but fees end up being passed along. Banks, correct me if I'm wrong, Lise, who's a former bank CEO, correct me if I'm wrong. But banks pass along the fees to the customers. They don't just absorb them and say, oh, okay, we got a bunch of new fees. We'll, uh, we'll just absorb them ourselves and not pass them on to the customers. We'll take the hit. So if you do any banking at all and your bank and you're dealing with banks that are FDIC insured, you are going to end up paying for the bailouts. You won't notice that you're paying, hopefully, but your banking fees are going to go up to cover the wokeness and the incompetency that happened with these bank bailouts. William in Westchester, welcome here on WABC. How are you, William? Hey, Bo, I'm an ancient James and Joel fan. Thank you. Wow, there's a blast from the past. Well, also being an ancient Yonkersite, uh, people my age will remember the Carvel Inn in Yonkers right by the state thruway. As of today, that's apparently becoming housing for illegal aliens. Oh, boy. A local website uh, for for neighbors to pass info on, a lady reported last night that the place was the Ramada Inn being emptied out, all-paying customers, and according to the uh, to the hotel's website, it is not available as of today. So paying customers are told to get out of the Ramada Inn, the old Ramada Inn, get out. We need the rooms. You people just get out, paying customers. And now it's being taken over so that illegal immigrants can be housed. This is amazing. William, I wonder if anyone else up in Yonkers, Newburgh, any of the places upstate, Orange County, what's going on in your counties? What's going on upstate New York? We know what's going on in New York City. We know that in some cases it is being reported that American veterans, American veterans who have served this nation in Afghanistan, American veterans who have served as far back as Vietnam, who are homeless, 
are being thrown out of their living facilities. American veterans are being thrown on the street to make way in these places for illegal immigrants. Does that bother anybody at all? That American veterans are being thrown in the street? James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early. Jeff in Queens. Thank you for waiting, Jeff. How are you? Welcome. Mr. Bo, I just want to say thank you. I don't know if you're sure you've been told this, but you have a certain compassion about the way you do your show. And there's a lot thank of people you. out there. I'm just saying from experience, um, I was down and out once, and I was sitting in Madison Park, and I had your show on through the app, and uh, I actually called in, and we had a few words. And... Uh, you know, I'm just saying that that guy with the stuff, and I want to beat him through that horse on the train, but the system failed, not the Marine, the system, because yep. you don't just take 100 people and stick them in apartments. They all have to be evaluated. It's a procedure that goes on. And apparently this guy was in the street for a while. So either he wasn't complying, he was not passing his tests, his drug tests, whatever. But and that's why you see people in the street with signs that look a little worn. For whatever reason, they don't want to be inside. So the system needs to do something about that. And if they're hopped up on some kind of whatever, you know, that just adds fire to the fuel. Because there's a lot of people walking out there that are homeless right now, probably listening to your show, and they just want to fit in. They want to get through the day. They got so much going on in their mind, they just want to sit. And some have to carry their stuff with them so they stand out. And believe me, they, they don't want to stand out. They want to, But they can't really talk to nobody because they don't have a support group. So you can tell somebody you're homeless, they're going to look at you, get up, probably maybe walk away because certain people don't understand. They're not that compassionate. And, and, and the media seems to give these guys on the train. That's the impression of all the homeless people. And I just wanted to say that. Thank you for all you do and Avery and everybody on your show. And your Thank other, you. Uh, Jeff, are you doing better? Are you doing better these days? Are you? Are um, you, are you, are you, are you? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, good. Yeah. I'm on the phone with you again. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, look, man, we wish you nothing but the best and we hope that whatever the journeys that your life is taking you through, that you end up finding peace, finding happiness and finding your way straight. And and you are welcome to call here anytime. We love hearing from you. OK. And but one more thing. I know you yeah. lost your mom and I'm not going to get choked up. But I gave my mom's eulogy six years ago uh, tomorrow. So I just want to say, you know, we all with you, too, on that. So. God bless Thank everybody that who's lost their moms and, you know, right on. So, love Right you on, man. Love you, too. Thank you so much. And I just want to say a word about this. You know, he talked about Mr. Neely, who was choked. And people are saying, oh, the Michael Jackson impersonator and 44 arrests. Yes, he had 44 arrests. He had 44 arrests. He had 44 arrests. But you know what else he had? He had been diagnosed with autism and with schizophrenia. And let me say again, and I've said it in the past and I'll keep saying it, and I said it long before this incident with Mr. Neely came about. This is a government failure that is widespread. It doesn't belong to just the Democrat Party. It belongs to every political party in America. We are the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth, or at least we used to be. And this nation, 
we in the wealthiest nation, we spend trillions of dollars. We are $31 trillion in debt. We have spent $31 trillion that we do not have the money to back up. In spite of that, we have multi-trillion dollar budgets. California alone has a $300 billion budget. And yet, you hear all this talk about compassion for this, we got to have compassion for that. The people that need our help the most, the people who do not have the ability to go through life making decisions that are good decisions for themselves because they are mentally unfit to do so through no fault of their own, through conditions like autism and schizophrenia. We leave these people on the street. We leave these people without homes. And you expect something good is going to happen with this? All the money that's wasted across every level of government, wasted. And we can't take care of the homeless who are mentally ill, who have autism, who cannot fend for themselves. There is something very wrong about the political priorities in this country. And this is not a one-party issue. This goes to both major parties in this country. And this needs to be addressed. And we are going to keep seeing these horror stories happen until somebody in national leadership gets serious about dealing with the mental health issues that affect millions of people across this nation. James Golden, Snurley, WABC. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It was summertime. It was either 1967 or 1968. This song came out. Still, one of the most beautiful ballads Stevie Wonder has ever sang. He co-wrote this song. Hey, Bo. Avery. I was just, I was just going over like he dominated the seventies with those albums and his whole career. Could he be? Could you make the argument he's the best? The producer of all time. Who would you put I up could, there with him? 
Well, see, the, whoa, this is, whoa, Avery, you may have stumped me here because. He, he, he don't need one other soul. He can walk in the studio and walk out with an album. And he has done that. Yes. And, and he, he is. Well, he has used, even on those records, though, he's used other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but you hear, but for instance, there are songs that you hear. There's um, one of my favorites is on the Music of My Mind album. Yeah. And now he did, that was the first album that he did that had synths, the way that they're being used in, in, radio, in um, music today. And the synths have evolved from when he was using them. Um. I wonder if we have any of that. I know we have. I'm gonna say I love everything about you from that album, but that's not a synth song. But to start as a child star, how hard is it to go from a child star to an adult star? He he maintained it and dominated. Fingertips he did when he was 12 years old. Yeah, and then he had the string of hits. I was a kid when all these came out. This record, he was about, I want to say he was about 15 or 16 when he did this record. Now, usually they flame out as a kid or, or they voice change or their parents, you know, rob them and they go to drugs. Like, he, he survived all of that. Yep, but see, his voice has changed over the years. And his singing style has changed. And every few years, he does something new with it. If you listen to the vocals on this record... Play All I Do for a second. Oh, man. Um, and you will hear how his singing style has changed. If you if you listen to All I Do, and by the way, when he did this, all of a sudden the technique that he's using vocally in All I Do became the rage, and it continues today. I thought, like, who can, who, who can, like... You could put another producer up there with him, try, but they can't sing the hits. Like, he, he don't need anybody. A nuclear war, he can make a hit record. <laughs> <laughs> but he uses other... Um, no, I know he, he does. No, no, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm going to give a shout out to some people. Because his collaborations are amazing, too. His vocalizing on this is so great. He even got the Jackson 5 on the song. The Jackson 5 singing background on yeah, this. Michael Jackson. You ain't done nothing. On, on this one, this is Michael Jackson singing oh, background this on, on this, this one. Too? Yes, Michael Jackson singing background on this record. And how many, what's that, 60s, 70s, 80s now? We into the 80s now? With this? He did this record. This was on the Hotter, Hotter than, than July, July album. Yeah, now we in the 80s, right? Yep, and so Hotter Than July. That's three decades. And it continues. Yeah. But some of his writing partners, MOTEP Gary Bird, Gary Bird, my mentor in radio, co-wrote five songs with Stevie. One of those songs, and two of them were on the um, the iconic album, Songs in the Key of Life, Village Ghetto Land, oh. and also um, Black Man, which is an amazing song. Yeah. And he's written with his ex-wife, Sarita. You all know Sarita, right? Some of the songs that he wrote with Sarita are incredible. He's just, he is, I got to say, 
I used to say that for our time, he will be regarded as like the Beethoven, the the Mozart of popular music of our time. That's what I'm saying. Give me a producer that's better than him. Give me, give me somebody. Yeah, Stevie's amazing. Yeah, he's a genius. Absolutely. But then you know what? But see, you go back though. Here's the thing. As bad as Stevie is, when you go back and you look at what Ray Charles did, right? Oh, absolutely. You, I don't know whether you saw that Ray Charles documentary. Yeah. Oh, man. Ray Charles thing. I forgot about But, no, he, he can't touch Stevie. Boy. I know, but Stevie, you know, Stevie. But we're Stevie. talking about the Hall of Fame. Everybody's good in the Hall of Fame. Right. But Stevie got his own room, though. Stevie has his own wing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm not even talking so about happy. all the hits he did with everybody else. They did for everybody else. I'm not even talking about that. Just yep. his stuff. If you listen real close, you will hear Michael's distinctive voice. He can't be touched. Yes, yeah, Stevie Wonder is our once in a lifetime. You know, he's just to me. I I remember the when songs because I had been privileged to hear some of the um, songs in the Kia Life album before it came out. I heard some of the tracks, and it was amazing. I heard some of it before it was completed. But I remember running to the record store, or you know. But to get that album the very day it came out and got home and played the whole thing, double album, and it's still one of the most iconic albums ever. Man, he had some everything on that album. He had like monkeys and and, and, and shamans and like I remember <laughs> like seeing all the layers of sounds he had on, on one of them. I was like, man, he had all he brought all kind of people in the home and do. I was like, man. Stevie. Stevie's a one of a kind. One of a Avery, kind. you got that right. All right, hour number duo in the can, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Avery. It's Stevie Tribute here on WABC. We're coming back, hour number three. America's small caffeinated mom has a message for us. She's out at her son's graduation today. As we head into Mother's Day weekend. And more of your calls if you're on hold, stay on hold. 800-848-WABC. Coming right back. Nerdly on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number trio is here. Our number three on our three-hour Saturday morning radio extravaganza. So glad to have you here. If you want to be part of the program before I do that, before I do that, before I do that, ladies and gentlemen, do I have a treat for you. I was supposed to do this yesterday and I blew it. Right, Matt? <laughs> I forgot all of we we were so busy yesterday. I'm like, okay, we're gonna give away tickets. Are you gonna sing for us, Scott? <laughs> Scott, they don't sound like that. Uh, 
You have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, right now to see the legendary Righteous Brothers in concert with Bill Medley and Bucky Hurd at Bergen Performing Arts Center on Wednesday, May 17th. What good am I? These two icons of music have been responsible for some of the biggest hits of all time, including Unchained Melody, You've Lost, That Loving Feeling, and dig this. Today, I'm giving away tickets right now to go see them live in concert. Two tickets if you are the seventh caller to get through right now. 800-848-WABC. The Righteous Brothers coming May 17th to Bergen Performing Arts Center. And, you know, Bergen Performing Arts, has had, they have a great lineup of shows. Seventh Caller wins right now. Two tickets to see the Righteous Brothers at Bergen Pack. Who remained as Hollow Oats? What? Was it Hollow Oats? Yeah, that, yeah that Hall, remained... Hall and Oats did make this. Okay, okay. I, one of the groups, I believe. It, you know what? The one, I mean, from the, the one from the 80s. I think that was Hollow Oats, Oats, yeah. Okay. Man, I love Hollow Oats too, but. But the Righteous Brothers, I remember when these records were, were on the charts, everybody wigged. We used to call them the Blue-Eyed Soul Brothers. Yeah, they were, they were, they were the bomb. Hall and Oates, WABC. Not Hall and Oates. No, I'm saying, I'm just remembering no. Hall and Oates with you saying it. <laughs> The Righteous, these are, of course, the Righteous Brothers. I mean, all the notes, man. So many hits. But the Righteous Brothers. All right, you know what? J.P. Morgan is finding itself in a little bit of hot water. Oh, by the way, Lease did confirm that. These FDI charges are going to be passed on to you. So you were told that the banks can't, these bank Failures, the SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank. Oh, we're going to bail them out. You're not going to pay for it. Yeah, you're going to pay for it. The FDIC is already demanding higher fees to cover it. And all of that is going to be passed on to you if you deposit your money in banks that are FDIC insured. You're going to end up picking up higher fees to cover these bank bailouts that Joe Biden unilaterally gave to these failed banks. Yeah. 19 Republican state attorneys generals have sent a letter this month addressed to J.P. Morgan chief Jamie Dimon. And they are accusing Jamie Dimon of a pattern of discrimination, denying customers banking service because of political or religious affiliations. The letter said that J.P. Morgan terminated clients' accounts due to religious beliefs which the bank denies, and they're also demanding that the bank respond to detailed survey question on an issue on issues of concern. This is all this business, and the first person that pointed this out was our very own Princess Diana on this ESG thing ages and ages ago. She said, look out for this.
this this is this idea these environmental social governance rules that some banks and some businesses have now put in place so they won't invest in this one because it's that for global warming they're not going to invest in this because they sell guns they're not going to invest in that or if you if you happen to buy guns in some cases or buy things that they don't like they kill your accounts off and does it happen Yes, and I know people that this has happened to, by the way, because of their political affiliations. They've been denied banking services. Well, it's more than that, my friends. This story today is at the DailyBS.com. The Daily BS, in case you don't know, is my newsletter that goes out twice a day, every day of the week, filled with news stories that, in some cases, you will not find in the mainstream press. TheDailyBS.com. TheDailyBS.com. Public employees have filed a lawsuit late Thursday against three New York City pension funds for allegedly violating their fiduciary responsibility by selling shares of fossil fuel assets worth billions of dollars. Their complaint was filed in the New York State Supreme Court. The plaintiffs allege that these pension funds chose to sell about $4 billion in oil and gas holdings to take on climate change. That they say is that effort is misguided and ineffectual and that these pension funds need to act prudently in making investment decisions. The plaintiffs include a subway train operator, a teacher, an occupational therapist. They're suing the New York City employees' retirement system, the teachers' retirement system, and the Board of Education retirement system of divesting stocks that would actually do well and actually help provide money for the pension plan. Also, they could be politically correct. And we will keep an eye on that lawsuit. Twitter users are having a meltdown. Elon Musk has selected a new CEO, Linda Yaccarino. Turns out she is anti-vax. I mean, pro-vax. She's been one of these pro-vaxxers, pro-mask people. Widely circulated footage, widespread mask mandate she supported. Keep your distance, get your hands washed often, test often, wear your mask, and all this. And apparently she was very pro-vaccine, which has some people on Twitter worried that she is going to reinstate the kind of censorship that was on Twitter when the pandemic was going on, where you had employees with no medical training whatsoever 
censoring opposing positions to what they thought should be done to combat the pandemic. There's things amiss with some people looking at the way Florida is handling textbooks. They're upset because Florida, under Governor Ron DeSantis, has rejected nearly 35% of the submitted social studies books. CNN did a piece on it, thought they were smearing Florida Governor DeSantis when they reported that social studies textbooks in the state had been rejected at a 35% rate. The Florida Department of Education announced that Florida has approved over 60% of social studies instructional materials and rejected about 35% of the books. So they thought that they should go after Ron DeSantis. But you know what? As the story unfolds, DeSantis and Florida are doing the right thing. They're getting rid of a lot of these woke books that they don't want in their state, these indoctrination history books that are just filled with left-wing ideology. This is a winning issue. And liberals can raise about it and rage and rag on DeSantis all they want to. They've lied about what is in the measures in Florida. That's how we get this so-called don't say gay when the legislation there had nothing in it did not say gay in the legislation. It was legislation designed to stop teachers from grooming young children, using their positions of power to groom, to sexually groom young children. And liberals think that, like with this issue with the social studies books, oh, oh, he's banning books. No, no, what they're doing is cleaning up what has been festering in America's education system. This runaway radical ideology that the left insists must be part of children's education. This is not a losing issue. This is a winning issue. And And more and more states are starting to join it. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, here with you. WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back. Your call's coming right up. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 
Ah, one of my favorites from the Fulfillingness first finale album. Stevie Wonder, this is creeping. Minnie Ripperton is singing background on this one, by the way. Stevie. Among the cover songs, Luther did a, co- a cover on this one that was just amazing. Let's head back to the telephones. Margaret in Arsley, New York. How are you, my dear Margaret? How are you this morning? Pretty good, Bo. Thank you for call, for taking my call. Um, I wanted to get up to the subject of the menage a trois, but before that, I've been on the phone, and I'm think, see, listening about um, the veterans, and I'm really angry, and I would just like to say that I think it's a disgusting and shabby thing that they're doing to kick out the veterans from um, the hotels. And uh, I want to shout out of support to the people of South Chicago for their protests. I, I agree with them. And for the first time in my life, I wish we could have a vote of confidence and get rid of the situation. Wow. But that said, um, regarding the menage a trois, you know, not for the people who agree with this. They go into a marriage agreeing with this stuff. Fine. Good, good for them. And I wish them the best. However, these men who think that all of a sudden they're going to talk their wives into something that the wives never expected, I like to ask them, how would they feel if it was their daughter and their son-in-law trying to talk their daughter into something like that? Oh, interesting. Interesting. I know. I know who we should ask. We should ask Avery. That's who we should ask. He's a little bit busy right now, but we're going to get him for a second because this is a great question. So we're going to ask Avery. In fact, I'm going to ask Avery to do uh, one of these days. You know, we're, we're we're trying to line up something special. But Avery, uh, let's see if Avery can pull himself away from the call for a moment so we can ask him that question. Avery, Margaret has just asked, okay, fine. How would you feel, Avery, if... Let's say, you know, you're married, you have kids, and someone was trying to talk, your, if your son-in-law were trying to talk your beloved daughter into one of these strange, twisted relationships, how would you feel about that? How would I know? <laughs> I'm not gonna have that, that is a good point. I'm not going to have that kind of relationship with my daughter that she can talk to me about threesomes. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of family? Your family's too tight, boy. <laughs> Dad, Daddy, I think it's time. No, it ain't. <laughs> oh, this well, is what I just, get. Let's just say we did have that conversation. Uh, that's tough. Like, yeah, I, it's tough. Wait, no, because wait. now all of us, yes, because now it's put to you in a way that people can understand the 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 implications of this. 
Bo, she's a living, breathing human being with like with needs and like um. You know, we have come to a we have come to accept everything in society. I'm not really trying to sound like some kind of Puritan, okay? Because believe me, man, back in the day, yo, really, you sounded, but I did not do that. But I'm going to tell you something. What is dangerous in society is when we just this whole anything goes, anything goes attitude. Anything does not go, or anything shouldn't go. Put it like that. Apparently, anything does go, but anything shouldn't go in today's. And that's part of the problem because that's what, you know what, men condition boys, and we condition boys, just like I was conditioned by older guys. We all condition each other to accept a lot of things that we should not accept. Man, Bo, I accept all of that that you just said, but I know I don't own a woman. Slavery, there's no slavery. So she's going to do what she want to do anyway. So I might as well condone it and maybe be a part of it. Just as long as she's being safe, you know? Well, I'm talking oh. about my girlfriend now, not, not my daughter. But but I'm telling you, like, if she she has fantasy, she has feelings, she has desires, oh. like, what do you want me to do? Like, what do you want me to do, bro? As long as, yeah, everyone's Just being say safe no. and consensual. I will say no. I'll say no a thousand times. That's why she won't come to me. But... <laughs> And and, and and we'll be we'll be walking the streets looking for the dude. Boy, you guys, Jay. Thank you, Margaret. We really appreciate you call, my darling. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Let us go uh, to Sandra in New Jersey. Sandra, how are you? Oh, fine. Thank you. Good morning to you and everyone there. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, the unfortunate accidental death that happened in the subway. So I thought going forward, maybe with mental illness so rampant and probably more will happen with all the immigrants coming into this country, maybe we should have a new kind of force, doctors and a police force combined. So, for instance, if something happens in the subway, not only do you have the police, but you have a a medical doctor that can maybe sedate the person. It sure beats death. And then, you know... You know, like even with a, an animal that's so wild, sometimes just a little sedation will help solve the problem instead of someone dying and causing an upheaval with people and rioting. So then I thought also maybe in each subway car, you can have a little timeout room. Look, this is going to cost oh. money, but it's, cer- it's going to certainly be someone dying. So a little timeout room where someone's out of the control they go in that room for a few minutes until someone's ready to handle it properly, like like I said, with maybe a little injection to sedate the person, something like that, I'm thinking. You know, a, a police force and a medical force combined. I think that would be you, very nice. Instead of a, a social worker who's going to say, use your words, that's not going to work. You know, I love your that's suggestions, but here, but I have another suggestion to add to your suggestion. Let's go back to basics. I remember, and 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 I I I sorry if I sound like one of these old fuddy duddies. When I was young, well, I do remember because I used to be young once upon a time, and I used to. You know what? You know how safe the subways were when I was a kid. The subways were so safe that I could get on the subways on my own at thirteen years old and ride anywhere in Manhattan, ride anywhere in Brooklyn 
right, anywhere in the Bronx and not have to worry about somebody accosting me. And my friends and I used to do that. And our parents weren't worried if they said, well, where are you going? I remember my friend Kevin and I used to visit his uncle who lived in way, way in Brooklyn. It used to take us an hour and a half to get there. And we used to be able to, we were like 13. And, and Saturday morning, we used to go, you know, do a little like, you know, clean up work, help him clean up his place and all that stuff where we did to make extra money. And we used to get on the subway and go. And our parents wouldn't say, oh, no, you can't ride the subway. Too many crazies, too many things. Because the subways were safe, even for kids. The subways were safe. You know why the subways were safe? Because that's back when the law was actually enforced in New York. That's when if you were a criminal, you used to go to freaking jail. And they used to keep your criminal ass in jail instead of letting you back on the street. That is when we used to have mental health places for people that had mental health problems. They were not let out to roam the streets. I know this sounds harsh, but they were institutionalized. There were institutions set up to care for the mentally health-challenged people. They did not let them roam all over town. And people understood that if you committed a crime and you were caught, you weren't going to get a get-out-of-jail-free card from Alvin Bragg and his cronies. You actually went to freaking jail. And so you had a situation where you could actually ride the subways and you wouldn't have to worry about a bunch of pervs feeling up on you if you're a woman. You wouldn't have to worry about a bunch of pervs exposing themselves to you. You wouldn't have to worry about a bunch of criminals trying to beat you down and rob you. And you didn't have to worry about mentally ill people who could not help themselves from going crazy on you. Go back to the freaking basics. Go back to enforcing the law. Go back to seriously providing help for the mentally ill who so desperately need it. This is not a hard equation. If you enforce the law with vigor, then criminals get the message. Better not do that. I don't want to go to the pokey. Better not do that. I might get caught. Better not walk in here to the store and walk out with $600 worth of stuff out of the drugstore because I'll go to jail. Liberals have made everything that is simply understood a difficult challenge. It used to be simply understood. Break the law, pay the consequence. Instead of this lawlessness that is running rampant from our southern borders all the way through your local convenience store. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back right after this. Oh, I love every little thing about you. You're not my friend. You've been here through thick and thin. 
This is from the Music of My Mind album. Jeff Beck plays a lot on this album. That's Fender Rhodes. The real Fender Rhodes. You know, I went um, I went to college with a guy whose last name was Rhodes, and uh, we went to uh, recording school together. There was a Fender Rhodes in the studio, and I'm like, ha ha, like your name. He's like, what? He didn't didn't even know what a Fender Rhodes was, and I was like, how? Your name is Rhodes. Man, these were the elect. These were the one of the first elect- electric pianos that really helped define sound. The Fender Rhodes. And they're amazing keyboards. Twelve years old, man. Fingertips. Stevie Wonder. Happy birthday, Stevie. WABC. Let's head back to the telephones, Regina in Yonkers, New York. How are you, Regina? Hello. At least I know what happened to you. I was born and raised in the city of Hills where nothing's on the level. Anyway, let's go back to what I heard there (laughs) about the woke situation. I have lived in South Carolina since 2004, and I have a nine-year-old grandson there. And he came home to me and said, Grandma, how come white people hate black people? And then the oh next God. day he came home and he said, white people made slaves out of black people. Do I have to break up with my friends? And then I tried to explain, yes, some pe- white people were very bad to black people. And not all white people hate black people. And I tried to explain that our people came from Italy and they, and they had nothing to do with any of this. Anything, any hate, well, my family, I don't know about everybody, you know, nothing to do. As a matter of fact, my grandpa used to go to elementary school on the other side of Yonkers with Ella Fitzgerald, and they were bullied every day, probably, and I hate to say it, Dutch, Irish, and German. And this is why I don't speak Italian, because my grandpa said when I was little, I don't want you to know Italian because they'll call you stupid and they'll be mean to you. And when I was 11 years old, I was in a junk drawer, and there was this big button with the Italian flag. And you know what it said on it? Kiss me, I'm Italian. I said, oh, Grandma, I'm going to wear this. She goes, no, 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 put it back. Mm, mm, mm. And now that That's I live in South, it, it, it's terrible. We, we, I guess it's the respect of the country that they came from Italy to have respect in this country and assimilate. 
And now that I live in South Carolina, I'm the minority. And they think I'm like prejudiced because I think I should, you know, with all this. This stuff has got to stop. Regina, this has got to stop. It has got to stop. We've got to stop this stupid, this stupid mass stereotyping of people based on skin color. And, you know, we can teach American history honestly with all of its warts without trying to indict everybody today for the previous sins of the world. And let me tell you something. There is not one group of people on earth, regardless of their skin color, that can look back at their own history and say, oh, we are the flawless people. Our people like me never did anything wrong. We are all flawed human beings under one God who created all of us. And this nonsense that gets carried on in this country, this continued racialization of everything, and this wokeification of everything has to stop. We are destroying our country, and we're destroying the way that kids should be looking at the world. Instead of growing up thinking positively about America, positively about themselves, positively about humanity, They're wrapped up in endless hatred and endless spools of self-loathing. All due to nonsense. Regina, thank you for your call. I'm going to Italy, by the way. I'm going to Italy in July for, I'm going on Mark Stein's cruise. First stop is Venice, Italy. I've never been in Italy before. I'm so looking forward to it. Let's go to South Carolina and Jerry. Jerry, how are you? I'm good, Mr. Stewart. Can you hear me? Here you fine, Jerry. Thank you for calling. My uh, my comments about reparations, and uh, I'd like to know how you feel about it. Because where I come from, a cash transaction, I get my receipt. That's it. We're done business, and I want to know if that's the end of it all. Is the hatred over if we just pay what they're asking us? No, Jerry. Sadly, no, Jerry. No, it's just beginning on a whole new level, Jerry. They they left this never stop, Jerry. So here's what's going to happen, Jerry. Let's say these folks in California end up getting a check. Well, the number one, you, you already got this guy saying, hey, folks, prepare yourself. We don't have the money to do these seven-figure checks. So one check is not going to stop it because you already have these wild-eyed, crazy people out there going to these meetings, yelling and screaming about how they're due more than a million dollars. They have not done a damn thing in their lives. They sit on their behinds and expect you and the other taxpayers in America to put money in their hands simply because they were born and the color of their skin happens to be brown or dark brown. But we're all supposed, everybody's supposed to pay them because they want money. And if they don't get enough money, do you think that they're going to stop there? Of course not. No matter what size check you get, it's never going to be enough. Let me ask you a question, Jerry. What happened? Remember back in the day when we were told, okay, listen, you people are bigots, okay? If you just okay the same-sex marriage, that's the end of it. That's all we want, just equality. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that same-sex marriage is something now that hasn't been accepted. But do you remember when we were told that that was it? Do you remember that, Jerry? Same-sex marriage. I I remember I grew up in the church, and we kind of folded on that. Absolutely did. And has it stopped? Is that the end of it? Now we're being told that you're a bigot because you believe that men are men and girls are girls and boys are boys and, 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 and women are women. 
So now you're a bigot for that. Will it stop there? No. We are the next line, which is that we're supposed to not stigmatize, um, what do they call it, minor attracted people, which is another, which is the new liberal code word for pedophilia. They have never stopped. They will never stop. The worst thing that can happen for, for the American people is if this phony reparation scheme goes through. All it is going to, and by the way, the resentment that it will cause in society, throughout society, the resentment is going to be monumental. And it's just going to create more and more divisions. They never stop. The left never stops with their endless path to destroy this this country. Jerry, I'm so glad you're in the audience. Thank you for your call. Tom and Woodbridge, you're up next. Oh, sorry about that little bit of a delay. Um, actually, this is not what I intended to call about initially, uh, but I do want to comment on it briefly. Um, so basically, when you were referring to uh, mental illness and uh, you know violent propensities on the part of whether a homeless population or uh, whatever the case may be, if someone is diagnosed with somebody, something, uh, there's a media perception that's really deliberately generated by the media and perpetuated by it that mentally ill equals violent, and nothing could be further from the truth. The vast majority of people who have very serious mental illnesses, whether it's schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, uh, what, what have you, are completely innocuous. They couldn't hurt a fly. Uh, again, and Tom, and Tom, 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 I thank you for bringing that out because I don't want to be guilty of painting with a broad brush. And I am speaking about the people that do exhibit. And so you make a great point that a lot of people that have been that do suffer from mental illness are not going to harm themselves or harm anyone else. It is a mental illness that can't be contained. And I really do appreciate that point. I'm sorry to rush you, but we got to take a break. I just looked at the clock. So we'll be back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, WABC. Don't go away. This is the Saturday Morning Radio extravaganza now here's james golden aka bo snurdly on 77 wabc stevie wonder from the musiquarium album which was the greatest hits album with four original, new, at the time, selections, Ribbon in the Sky being one of them. Nineteen eighty-two. This incredible song. I had a chance to speak with Stevie Wonder about this song before it was released. I had heard it when the lyrics weren't even finished. It's a really amazing story, which I'll say for another day. I put it in my book, Rushing on the Radio. Hey, how you getting all that access, man? 
I I had friends, man. I stayed at I stayed at Stevie's place in L.A. for about two weeks. All right, and um, yeah, no said. All right, now Stevie coming on the show. Now I see how you rolling. Man, he tried to hook me up with his sister-in-law at one point. Man, the single one. I don't talk about all that stuff, but. Like like a real player, man. Like a real player. Back in the day, man. Back in the day, brother. Hey, I get it now. I get it now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it was it wasn't anyway. This is still one of my favorites. Ribbon in the sky. Let's go to Tim in San Diego's. Tim, welcome. How are you? Well, before I make my point, Bo, you know what they say about, you know, he tried to hook up with his sister-in-law. Well, that love is blind. No, oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, listen, years ago, uh, okay, oh, by the way, 82 is the year that I left uh, New York. Well, I grew up in Jersey, okay. but I was living in New York. But I moved to California in 82 for, for college. But um, so I was working at uh, Genentech, yeah, the infamous Genentech. Um, Years ago, uh, it was God. It must have been 1999, and uh, they went public. Okay, they they uh, they had their initial public offering, and uh, they had a concert for the for the uh, staff, and it was a secret. And Stevie played for us. Oh man! And, um, yeah, it was crazy. And I mean, he was you know making stuff, writing songs on the spot. You know, doing what he what he does. Unbelievable. And then about halfway through the show, um, he brought somebody out on stage from the East Bay and it was MC Hammer. And he didn't want to go out. He didn't want to go out on stage with Stevie because he's like, this guy's a genius. I'm sort of a clown. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's like, he's like, Hammer, come out here, Hammer. You know, it was very funny. And uh, of course, his band could play anything. And what does he do? You know, you know, can't touch this. You know, can't touch that. Sort of, yeah. Right. So, uh, but it was it was amazing and uh, you know, once in a lifetime thing. I was God. I mean, not as close as your access, but I was probably eleven, twelve feet from him. You know, and just watched. It was just amazing. You know, you, you, once in a yeah. lifetime, you don't get that opportunity. So, you know, yeah, great. you know, it was it's amazing, man. You know what? And and one of the things that I'm amazed at. You know, too, Diego, you should, you, you, you dig this. I, I remember being in the studio once. Um, and I was there with Omar. It wasn't because I was all of that. I was there with Omar, who was actually doing something with Steve. I don't even, I don't even remember, but, I, but I was listening to him sing and you could actually hear the, it, it's really weird because the vibrations, we were close from the back of his neck. I've never experienced anything like that. With any, it was, I can't even explain it. It was so powerful. He's just, he, he's like no other. He's like no other. Uh, Marie in Flanders, how are you? Welcome, WABC. You know, if everybody just listened to Stevie Wonder, you know, we might, we could get it all along. But in 76, songs in the key of life, and, and you mentioned black man. We pledge allegiance to all our lives to the magic colors, red, blue, and white. Makes me cry. Bless Stevie. I'm and that lyric, by the way, no. yes, I'm so and, glad and you my, said that. Oh, real quick. And if it wasn't for my sister, Marianne, buying the album with the words, another artist I know does that. A lot of artists do that. But then I had to buy the CD because the album didn't fit in the CD player. 
and he still produces the, the CD with the words. It's incredible. You know, it's ingenious what this man does. And he talks about, when we get mellow, he talks about how his voice changed and how he, he, he sang because he, he matured like any incredible artist. Avery's smart with his, with his knowledge. On TV. He sounds young. I mean, Avery is he's, young. He's, yeah, he's a baby. He's not a baby, but he's a young man. Anyway, I, I just I just love Stephen. Like I said, if everybody listens to Stevie, maybe we all get along better. You know? And this Gotta love brings it. us together and unites us, Oh, you know about this, is music. We have no problem with that when it comes to the commodity of people getting together. When music is when when music, Marie from Flanders, thank you so much for your call, darling. When music is in the right place, music is the universal language of love, and that's what she's saying. When music is done right, when music is in the right place, from the right place of your heart, music becomes the universal language of love. It really does. Uh, John in Greensboro, North Carolina, how are you? I'm all right. I, I hope you. I just want you to know I enjoy your show. I listen to you all the time. And um, anyway, uh, Stevie Wonder did a song called Used to Be with Charlene. Are you familiar with it? I have heard it. We don't have it in the library, but I think I need to try to dig it out. Yeah. Well, that's okay. uh, It's a good song. Um, You know what? He also has one that we don't have in the library. I got to get. He did a song by um, with Take Six. Um, Yeah. And Stevie and Take Six together. Are, and I'm just trying to remember the name of the song. I can hear the song in my head, but I'm just having a mental right now on this. Yeah, a special. Anyway, I'll get the song. And it's, he's done so many songs with, with different artists, too, that have been totally amazing. So thank you for that with Charlene. We'll try to get that. Used to be. We'll try to get it in the library. Glenn in Queens, New York. How are you, Glenn? Listen, when I hear, when I hear your voice, I know I'm home. If I go to Pennsylvania Aww. and I hear you, I know I'm back in Queens or back in New York. What I was going to say was, how about Superstition with Jeff Beck, the late, great Jeff Beck? That blew my mind. You know, we will play Superstition as a bumper music. Diego, let me remember to do that. Um, because we, we're not going to have any more time for bumper music today, but we will I grab. I realize. Yeah, but we will grab Superstition. Superstition was one of the all-time, of course. And that was the lead single on the Talking Book album, 1972. And on that album, that album won four Grammy Awards. That album preceded... To me, Stevie's sound can be broken into a bunch of parts. But everything before the album, Where I'm Coming From, is Stevie with the Motown kind of formula song. Where I'm coming from, you sense the departure. He still had on that album um, the song that he did with Sarita, If You Really Love Me, that's kind of a Motown. That's kind of a formula Motown song, but then he did other songs on that album um, uh, that were you could tell he was going in another direction. And then came Music of My Mind. Music of My Mind changed the game. It didn't just change the game for Stevie, it changed the game for music. Because that was the album, like I said, that's when, that's when the synthesizer came in and Stevie's use of the synthesizer. And he had two brilliant engineers, too, that were working with him that helped produce those records, that and the Talking Book record. 
And music in my mind, that's when the breakthrough happened. But we're going to leave you today with Earth, Wind, Fire. Not with Stevie, because today is Mother's Day weekend on WABC. Tomorrow, of course, Mother's Day. And every Mother's Day, this song, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Mom. And Mom this year has a special, special meaning for me. I haven't talked about this yet. We had a birth in the family a little over two weeks ago. Harper. Right now, Harper's in ICU. Harper was born in the driveway. Mom trying to get in the car to get to the driveway, and his heart wasn't beating. And he wasn't breathing. Nurse Judy gave him CPR for nine minutes. The umbilical cord broke. She held on to it while she gave CPR till the ambulance got there. And she saved his life. And our family is immensely grateful to her for that and to God because God actually uses people to do his will. And Baby Harper, we expect, may be home with us within the next, well, the next week or so, we're hoping. And as Mom Shay, we wish a very happy Mother's Day. Jude Nurse is now his godmother. We wish her a happy Mother's Day. My great-great-niece is here with us to celebrate. Mother's Day with her three-month-old. My daughter's going to hang out on the weekend with my two-month-old, almost, grandson. So we have mothers all weekend. I have been mourning the death of my own mother for now over two years. And so we have, this is new life for us in this family. We have babies. We have Carter, who's four. I have my nieces and my nephews. My niece, Martine, who's a wonderful mother. But after you go through periods of death, to see that there is life again is incredible. Play Rhonda's message for Mother's Day. This is America's small, caffeinated mom. I'm popping in today with a special message for mothers. Every spring, I make my yearly trip to a local greenhouse to pick out my flowers and my vegetables. And every spring, as I'm tucking those tiny seedlings into the ground, I think of hope. At first, there's no fruit visible, no blossoms. I feed and I water those flowers and those plants. We pull the weeds, we till the soil. We gently tie those young tomato plants to a stake and we put a cage around them to contain them. The sun and the rain from God's heaven, they come and they do their work and silently below the surface, unseen, those roots go down, down and ever down. Buds and blooms begin to appear, just delighting me and by late summer, ripe, luscious fruit hangs on the vines. 
My flower beds are blazing with color. Parenting is just like that. Month upon month, year after year, we feed and we water, we prune and we till the soil of young hearts and minds. Gently we train them, gently we guide them. The sun and rain of eternal love, they do the rest. And silently below the surface, those little roots go down, down and ever down. Buds and blooms appear at last, they do, I promise. And ripe, luscious fruit and a riot of color appear in those lives. I am seeing it in my own four sons. We are relentless in hope, we mothers. Fueled by love, that's what we are. Partnering with the one who created us and our kids, doing miracle work together. It all matters. Happy Mother's Day from me to you. I send my love. I look forward to being back with you next week. Bye. We send our love to every mother, every mother, every mother in this world. God bless you, mothers. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day with love and with gratitude. God bless you and protect you. We'll see you Monday, God willing. Bye.